To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app. Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. From Washington, the investigations begin. Headlines on the terminal say it all today. Silicon Valley bank failure, executive trades probed by DOJ SEC. Yes, authorities are now examining the collapse of SVB for misconduct by officers, including whether stock sales by executives violated trading rules. Those familiar with the matter speaking with Bloomberg. Of course, the Fed has its own investigation that's getting underway as well. And Senator Elizabeth Warren is calling on Jay Powell now to recuse himself from that effort. As we know very well, she is not a fan of Jay Powell issuing a statement. The Fed chairs actions to allow big banks like Silicon Valley to boost their profits by loading up on risk directly contributed to these bank failures. You remember the dangerous man from the hearing last year. Renominating you means gambling that for the next five years, a Republican majority at the Federal Reserve with a Republican chair who has regularly voted to deregulate Wall Street won't drive this economy over a financial cliff again. And with so many qualified candidates for this job, I just don't think that's a risk worth taking. Your record gives me grave concern. Over and over, you have acted to make our banking system less safe, and that makes you a dangerous man there to head up the Fed. So not a huge shock to see the statement. Of course, they've uh, had their backs and forths since then. Just recently, as last week when Powell testified before the committee on Capitol Hill, before the failures occurred. Now, remember, we've got a meeting next week. And a lot to talk about today with Senator Sherrod Brown. We spoke a bit earlier, the Democrat from Ohio, chair of the Senate Banking Committee, with us here on Bloomberg and started by asking him about depositors insurance. A big part of this, right? The FDIC guarantees money up to $250,000. Until now, apparently, no deposits are too big. So questions about where that line is. Is it time to change that number or suspend it since the government is backing all deposits? Here he is. Well, I think we look at everything and uh, we're going to investigate through the banking housing committee that I chair. We're I'm following what the regulators are doing with oversight to make sure they investigate. I don't think we know yet, but what we do know is every time uh, the Silicon Valley Bank and the bankers so often come to Congress to weaken rules, too often Congress goes along. And whatever we do here, we're going to strengthen oversight rules. We're going to make sure that, that the banks can't can't play with risk the way they do and always make working families in Ohio pay. And when, when I when I first when when the story broke what had happened in California, and I knew that the CEO in California had lobbied 
Congress and lobbied his friends and the regulators for weaker rules. First thing I thought about was what happened in East Palestine, Ohio, with the railroads. The railroads had lobbied Congress, had lobbied the Trump administration, had used their PR campaign to weaken safety rules and to hurt the communities. And who always pays, whether it's customers yeah. at banks pay or whether it's um, customer or whether it's people in places like East Palestine. So I, I think it's all about corporate power in the end. And um, as we look at deposit insurance and so many other things, we have to keep that in mind. I thought you were going to say that it, it brought you back to 2018 when portions of Dodd-Frank were rolled back. I know you didn't love that idea then. And as the president asks to strengthen regulations now, Senator, I wonder what it is specifically that your committee can do to prevent another SVB. Well, it's, uh, I hope my committee can do it because we have so many people in this committee that are at the beck and call of, of the banking lobby and the financial services and particularly Wall Street and particularly uh, the most powerful banks. But I, I know what this committee did wrong a few years ago in passing this and then President Trump made it worse by weakening the standards even further. But we clearly need stronger capital standards. We clearly need stronger liquidity standards. We clearly uh, need to do the strengthen the stress tests. Uh, I am pushing the Federal Reserve to do that now. I'm going to push Congress to do that. I, I'm less hopeful that Congress will do that because I, I've seen the influence of the bank lobby in Wall Street. And in the end, again, Ohio workers always pay for this when they get their way. Mm. Senator Brown, it wasn't just the Trump administration, though. Several Democrats, including on your committee, your colleagues, 17 Democratic senators voted to loosen that oversight in 2018. What gives you uh, this optimism that potentially you can go back to bringing back some of that regulation that we saw ease under the uh, Trump administration? Well, I think people may have learned their lessons. When I talked to some of the regulators and some of my colleagues, their tone was a bit different than it had been from what it had been when I led the opposition to that deregulation three, four, five years ago. Uh, so, but I, I'm also pushing the Federal Reserve, the regulators, to do it. And I, I spoke over the weekend with the person in charge of that at the Federal Reserve, and and I, I can't disclose private conversations, but I do think that that they understand how important it is for stronger liquidity standards, stronger capital standards, and stronger. Um, uh, stronger stress tests. So uh, I, I'm always, I mean, it's the influence of the banks in Wall Street is far, or is far too much in this institution. It, 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 essentially, among Republicans, it's almost unanimous and among some Democrats. So we continue to push. I'll continue to push the regulators. My, my job is oversight. My job is to stop um, stop banks as trying to stop railroads in East Palestine from doing what they do is to stop banks from fleecing the public, from taking more risks. And then when the risks blow up and something happens like its signature and, and it's Silicon Valley Bank, again, the public always pays. I, I, I was on the phone. My wife and I were coming home from church on Sunday. I've been working on this all weekend. She said, listen to this thread. And she read a thread from someone we didn't know um, who has a small business and had a banking relationship with Silicon Valley. This is in, mm -hmm. this is in Ohio. And she, um, she was worried to death 
about Meteor Payroll. I then called her and told her, this is, this is exactly why I'm working on this, because too many people like you are in a position, you did nothing wrong, you're just trying to pay your employees, you might not be able to pay them because of this. And she was literally tearful in the phone call. So I, I mean, that, that's why I make this fight, because she was, and another gentleman I talked to had 300 employees, he started with five 10 years ago, and he was afraid about making payroll. So it, to me, it's about those workers always in those small businesses that are struggling that did nothing wrong. So um, that's why I make this fight. That's why I will do oversight to make sure that the regulators do their job and to try to convince my members, my, my colleagues in Congress. And that's the hardest of the group, Right, frankly. including... And Inclu yes, including members of your own party. But, you know, you and I both know it's a divided Congress. So the fact that it's going to be very difficult to get regulation through this Congress. So in that sense, should, could the Biden administration or should the Biden administration do this with an executive order? Uh, it doesn't exactly take yeah, yes and yes. Um, I, I don't really care how they do it. I, uh, part of this is the Federal Reserve stepping up, and those are appointees by the president, so you can say the Biden administration. I want the Federal Reserve. I'm talking to them about stronger standards. And interestingly, right before this whole store, right before Silicon Valley Bank shut its doors or before they were closed down, I guess it's a better way to say it, Chair uh, Powell, the head of the Federal Reserve, is in our committee. Every single Republican on the committee, I believe every single one, maybe one or two didn't out of the 11, uh, kind of berated him saying, don't don't increase capital standards. Don't. I mean, they're, they're always doing the bidding of Wall Street. And I, I don't say my party's innocent in this. There are some that, that don't fight hard enough. And I, I'm not going to mention names, but there are some that don't. But unfortunately, Republicans all saying one bird off a telephone wire, they all flew off the telephone wire um, talking about <laughs> weakening capital standards. And that's that's where I think the Biden administration can come in. I think they're going to. We're going to continue to push them and continue to do oversight. At the same time, I'm optimistic about life enough to continue to work my congressional colleagues of both parties to try to make this better. Well, I'm going to mention one name, Senator. Elizabeth Warren is calling on Jay Powell to recuse himself uh, from any investigation into the SVB failure. Do you agree? I, I, my job is to make sure that they do this investigation right. I believe Powell's already chairing that investigation. Uh, I'm just going to make sure he does it right. I think he will. But I will watch him. I'll watch others to make sure they are. I mean, my yep. my job, as I said earlier, is oversight of these regulators, oversight of the industry mm -hmm. itself, including those um, crypto crypto um, uh, people involved in crypto. I mean, all of this is my job to do oversight. It's it doesn't always work, but clearly sometimes when people do wrong, you shine a light on them. I'm hopeful because of what happened its signature, what happened at um, Silicon Valley Bank, that mm -hmm. shining that light on will maybe change behavior a little bit. Well, we've got a Fed meeting next week. I wonder, when you think back to that thread you described reading coming out of church on Sunday, should the Fed hold pat next week, no change in rates? Um, I would hope the Fed would, would, um, would, uh, would uh, not change rates next week. I, I, what I've asked the Fed to do is we know during the pandemic that a handful of industries, the drug industry, the meatpacking industry, the transportation industry, and the oil industry, raised prices well beyond their costs, well raised prices well beyond, uh, there was no real inflation then. That contributed a lot to inflation. What they did 
by raising prices. They were immensely more profitable. They did stock backs, buybacks all during this time of inflation. So they have clearly contributed to inflation. I want the Fed to start calling them out. And I've asked Chair Powell that. I've asked others. Um, I'm hopeful that they use their platform. I know that they they, they say their their tools are limited. They can only raise interest rate, but they can they can be mm-hmm. a strong moral voice against those corporations that fleece the public and those corporations that hurt the workers in my state. And I will continue to call, particularly those industries out: meatpacking, transportation, oil, uh, and pharmaceuticals, who frankly have used a crisis of the of people dying from from COVID. To, um, to to make even more money and increase their profits and reward their executives. Senator Sherrod Brown, chair of the Senate Banking Committee, talking with us today in Washington with myself and my colleague Anne-Marie Hordern. And I invite you to join us for the full interview coming up later today, 5 p.m. Washington time on Bloomberg TV. He'll be featured on the new Balance of Power, which I suggest you watch anyhow. We've got a great program lined up for later and want to assemble the panel for a bit more on what we just heard uh, from the chair of the Banking Committee. He's in a very, very important position now as we feel our way forward with SVB and whatever may follow. Jeannie Shanzano is here along with Rick Davis, Bloomberg Politics contributors, our signature panel in place. Jeannie, what do you think about this? We heard from a lot of Republicans yesterday. This is the Democratic view. Uh, And he's clearly more concerned with investigations, it sounds like, getting to the bottom of what happened before taking any action to keep it from happening again. How did you read his his response? You know, I think I think Senator Brown has the right approach. The the issue now is what happened? Who is at fault? Who let the ball drop? You know, what happened? Was this an issue of regulations that weren't enforced properly? If so, who did not enforce them? Was this an issue of, you know, not having a risk management team in place in this particular bank? Is this a black swan or is this something that is, you know, could permeate to other banks and other sectors? So I think the question now is what happened? And I think, unfortunately, as often happens in in D.C. and in politics, we're seeing a lot of finger pointing and blame going around before we really have the facts. Well, some of that's coming to a point, at least uh, from Elizabeth Warren. Should Jay Powell recuse himself or or is she? off the tracks on that one. I I think she, too, is similarly finger-pointing. I think she is right to say that we need to know how many, how much bonuses were given to these executives. I think she's right to look into the management team to ask these questions. But to cast aspersions or blame to Jerome Powell at this point seems, you know, similar to what's going on on the opposite side of the aisle, which is finger-pointing at Joe Biden and the Biden administration. So I think that is going a step too far at this point. I think Brown is right as head of banking committee. His role is to figure out what happened and mm-hmm. then to figure out what, if anything, Congress can do to avoid it happening in the future and to make sure the system is secure. Rick, the senator said loosening bank regulations in 2018 was a mistake. We knew he felt that way then. How does that inform, do you think, his approach that, that will follow now? Yeah, it would be interesting to see whether or not he tries to put a bill into the committee uh, that he chairs to to uh, put those same uh, regulation controls back on the banks. Um, I I doubt, knowing what we know about the committee right now, that he could find a majority in that uh, because there were even some Democrats at the time who were uh, opposed to to those measures and and voted with Republicans. It was a bipartisan effort to try and uh, take some of the regulation off the backs of the banks in order for them to be able to better serve their constituents. So uh, as Jeannie said, there's plenty of finger pointing for everybody and some old grudges like Elizabeth Warren (laughs) versus Jerome Powell uh, come right to the surface. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. 
Catch the program live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Russian fighter collides with U.S. drone over a Black Sea. Yeah, we've got news here and want to just take a minute to consider this with our panel, Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano here on Bloomberg Sound On. This is what we know at the moment, according to U.S. European Command, because, you know, there's always room for breaking news here at Bloomberg. Two Russian Su-27 aircraft went to intercept an Air Force unmanned MQ-9 aircraft. Think of this as a drone, right? This flying around. It's propeller-driven, operating within international airspace over the Black Sea, according to European Command. Uh, One of the Russian aircraft struck the propeller of this drone, causing the U.S. to bring the drone down in international waters. European Command says in a statement today, several times before the collision, the Su-27s dumped fuel and flew in front of this thing in a, quote, reckless, environmentally unsound and unprofessional manner, unquote. Of course, the Russians are really good at that. We've got a lot of years of experience uh, with intercepts here. This time, though, it didn't go the way they wanted Rick Davis, uh, what's your thought on this, if nothing more than to remind us of how close we are to something going wrong at all times here in this so-called proxy war? Yeah, that's why you try to avoid war, right? Because you can never uh, uh, see through the fog of that war. And this is definitely uh, uh, a fog situation, right? You've got some rocket jockeys from Russia uh, trying to play with a, a, a Reaper drone. These things are big. They're dangerous. They're fast. They're agile. They operate autonomously in some theaters, and uh, it was just a huge mistake by them to uh, threaten this kind of uh, incursion uh, at a time when, if if you're Vladimir Putin, the last thing you want is the U.S. to feel like we should be doing more uh, for Ukraine and our own defense than uh, than less. These are international air. Um, uh, 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 areas that uh, you should be able to fly in without harassment. And uh, this is going to cause a lot of problems for Russia uh, internally because they're trying to keep focus on Bakhmut and what's happening on the ground. And now they've they've made a mistake by bringing us directly into this thing. This could have gone way worse. Uh, And we don't know, Jeannie. I don't know if somebody ejected. I don't know if the plane landed on its own. We have very little information right now. But these kinds of events can cascade. They can. I mean, and that's really the question now. So many questions unanswered. Um, We know that Russia and U.S. have been operating aircraft over the Black Seas throughout the Black Sea, rather, throughout the course of the war. But we really um, I believe this is the first kind of, um, you know, direct interaction that they've had. And the question then becomes what happened, you know, and is this could this potentially lead to an escalation of some time? And of course, this is a really important point in the war. And, um, you know, we we just have to wait and see and hope that this isn't one of those incidents that leads to further escalation, because mm-hmm. that has always been the real concern of the United States and led to the calls that we should not be engaged at all over there. And we should not even be operating drones or aircraft of any kind over the Black Sea out of fear of these kinds of incidents. So So there's going to be a lot of questions to be answered before we can figure out what happened and to ensure it doesn't happen again. We uh, we are headlining on the terminal that President Biden has been briefed on this. John Kirby, the spokesman for the uh, National Security Council, uh, confirming as much in a White House briefing. Uh, I suspect we won't hear much more about this for a moment. Uh, Rick, is the response, though, from the U.S. to actually do nothing right now to learn more about what happened? 
Yeah, there'll be a, a quick investigation to make sure that everybody knows what the facts are. This is breaking news, so you're hearing a lot of it for the very first time right now. And 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 look, there may not be a a specific response. Uh, this may not be something Joe Biden wants to actually get in the way of the prosecution of his efforts to support the Ukrainians, and and so you know just to deconflict it uh, by by not making a big deal out of it. But uh, I I would say. You know, after, you know, hundreds of years of trying to create professional armies so that, um, you know, civilians don't get uh, to face the brunt of war. You know, we, we have another example of Russia in an undisciplined criminal activity that they've been perpetrating on the Ukrainians now playing out in international airspace. There's a, a bit more to get into with Ukraine that we're going to touch a little bit later on in the program. There's something else I want to ask you guys about while you're here. Uh, Rick and Jeannie with us on Bloomberg, if you're just joining us and it. it brings our attention to Alaska uh, with this whole story of the Willow Oil Project. I know that something has got to be a big deal when my 15-year-old tells me they're talking about it on TikTok and Instagram. I don't usually hear that, Jeannie, but this time the Willow Project has broken through. Uh, Look, this is clearly something that the president... uh, must have thought long and hard about here. This, this, uh, this basically is his decision to authorize Conoco Phillips uh, drilling in Alaska. Remembering what he said during the campaign. This is Joe Biden, candidate Biden, on CNN in a debate in 2020. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill. Period. And pretty much leaves no confusion on that one. So with many critics emerging here, the secretary of the interior has taken to Twitter to talk to us. I'm Deb Holland. President Biden and I believe that the climate crisis is the most urgent issue of our life. Now, they've got music behind this and it basically devolves into an apology. Jeannie, I don't know if you would agree with me. Here's where we go with the secretary. The clean energy transition will not happen overnight, but it will happen with all of us working together. I am confident that we're on the right path, even if it's not always a straight line. Want, want. What is that? You, you know, I, I think you nailed it when you first mentioned your child, because this is something that really does engage particularly young people, not just Democrats, not just liberals, but across the political spectrum. This is an issue that Joe Biden promised he would be committed to. He was going to, as you said, stop drilling of any kind. Of course, there's a big difference between candidate Biden running for president well, sure. and then the reality of a war in Europe and rising uh, prices of oil and gas. And, of course, being faced with this. So I think you have a, an attempt by the Biden administration to explain their way out of a political predicament. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, they've got to keep costs contained. They're trying to make the case over and over again that had this gone to court, they probably would have lost and ConocoPhillips would have won because of the the agreements in place well, there we so go. they had no choice to do this yeah. but that is not going to stop environmentalists and it's not just environmentalists these are people from around the country and the world who say this is an existential crisis uh-huh. you are making things worse for our children and our grandchildren and they're not going to find this a forgivable step on the part of the administration so tough politics for them and i think that's the right. tape really really underscored that because she well, sounded none too happy Democrat? that's not going to make any activists 
just feel better as the secretary talking like that. I don't think it's going to make anybody feel better. You can put all the music you want behind it. They are going to, <laughs> you know, backpedal as it's being reported. Yeah, it, it doesn't help the music. Rick, uh, is this really about uh, about the lawsuit? It's reported that President Biden was told this could be a $5 billion settlement. ConocoPhillips owned the permits. They already had that uh, cleared, and it, and. and the administration would have been sued in a heartbeat if they blocked this. Yeah, you know, this is <clears throat> people are going to try and figure this one out for a long time. I mean, it completely eviscerates the kind of gains that he uh, had in in his Inflation Reduction Act. You know, over 600 million metric tons of carbon dioxide being put away by this historic legislation. You know, and in on one felt swoop, this takes away half of that. Wow. Um, and, you know, it, it's so. So, yeah, I, I can't imagine. A lawsuit for five billion dollars, which is a rounding error of pocket change in the government purse, um, you know, would be what would trigger this. Uh, maybe it's the concerns that when he's running for president a year from now, mm-hmm. gas prices go up, and he wants to be able to say he's done everything he can, including this. Uh, but I'll be honest; I mean, this is perplexing to me. Um, you know, he spent so much time and political capital uh, campaigning against this exact thing. Uh, saying he would never do it, embedding all his reputation on climate into the IRA, and to now sort of chuck all that uh, to uh, get sort of cheap thrills on the Willow uh, project, uh, which is just going to, you know, make ConocoPhillips more money, you know, after a record year. Uh, I I just don't see how it's defensible. And if he's running for president, wouldn't you find a way to not do this until after the election? I mean, like, I, the, the, this is the first sign I really see that's tangible that says I'm not running for president and I don't wow. care anymore. You know, that's a heck of a way of looking at this, Jeannie. We're talking about 600 million barrels. Is that actually what's in the president's mind right now? He's going to be in a debate and he doesn't want someone to accuse him of blocking that from happening and, and costing people in Ohio more money at the pump. You know, I, I think what he's assuming is if he does run, which we suspect he will, and although Rick may be making news here that this is a sign he's not, he thinks the only debates he's going to be facing are in a general with a conservative Republican or a Republican for whom this issue isn't going to resonate. If he was facing a Democratic primary, this would so be high on the agenda. And you know what they're talking about? People are describing this as a carbon bomb. That's how serious oh they are taking. They're saying it's going to emit so much carbon it's going to double the amount he promised to reduce but of course he's only going to hear that if he's in you know facing a democrat so one big question does this and um, some of the other stuff we've been talking about the dc crime bill some of the other things you know Mm -hmm. uh you know uh, allowing some of these silicon valley bank people to you know get a quote-unquote bailout even though he's saying that's not it does this sort of incite a progressive sort of pushback Mm -hmm. do we see a progressive get in this race just to challenge him on these things because you pivot before you announce we're spending time with rick and Jeannie on sound on you're listening to the bloomberg sound on podcast Catch the program live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Quite the revelation as we've been discussing the banking crisis to learn that a Russian fighter jet has collided with an American surveillance drone, a U.S. drone. It happened in international airspace over the Black Sea. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington, joined by... Kaylee Lyons, as we prepare to hear from Congressman John Garamendi, uh, Kaylee, it's great to see you. This is uh, this is concerning. These are the kinds of headlines the White House worries about. Yeah. Uh, when when there's a margin for error and a lot on the line, a lot of risk 
in this theater. They're being very careful, though. Nobody's talking about this as we try to learn more in the meantime. Right. And we did hear from White House National Security Council spokesman John Kirby calling it reckless. Mm -hmm. And I think reckless perhaps is a good descriptor here, given exactly what you just said, the intensity of this theater, knowing that each and every headline has the potential to move the markets and potential to lead to something you know, far greater. That is what the U.S. has been trying to avoid throughout the duration of the conflict over the last year is any form of escalation, hence them treading very, very carefully. Escalation or mission creep. That's where we start our conversation here. And we have a lot to talk about, in fact, with Congressman John Garamendi, the Democrat from California. It's great to have you, Congressman, as a member of the Armed Services Committee. Is this something you've been briefed on or, or are concerned about right now? Uh, actually, I've not yet been briefed. We are gathering information from the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. But I have not yet had that information. What I basically know is what on the various news reports uh, and the uh, existing report from the Pentagon. All in all, it is uh, one very dangerous situation. And uh, escalation beyond this is something we certainly don't want to have. And at the same time, Russia needs to be very much aware that these kinds of incidents are not acceptable at all. But unfortunately, they're not new. Over the Black Sea, the uh, uh, all of the area around Russia, wherever we have these observation platforms, the Russians are uh, hazing and uh, trying to disrupt the operation. Well, to that point, the administration has acted to try to deter Russia from behavior, including from uh, its ongoing aggression and war it's conducting in Ukraine through the form of sanctions and other matters. Is this just a sign that the Kremlin doesn't really respond to U.S. policy? Well, here's the thing. This is not new. Uh, These kinds of um, near flybys by Russian uh, jets of various kinds is been, has been ongoing for decades. Uh, you see most of it uh, we see over the uh, Baltic Sea, uh, very common, and there's a protocol that, is, that should be observed by both Russia, the United States, and any, any other country, and that is, uh, yes, flybys are not, uh, not inappropriate unless they're too close. In this case, there were two jets, apparently, and they were far too close. They actually uh, hit this um, MQ-9. So the issue really is one of how do we now um, put Russia on notice that this is totally unacceptable. Uh, We will see. But at the same time, we want to be very careful because of the war in Ukraine uh, that this does not lead to further engagement between the United States and Russia. So it's time to be calm. It's time to be uh, collected and uh, knowledgeable. Uh, Calm is probably not not possible with 24-7-365 media, but it is time just to step back what happened here and then simultaneously make sure that uh, Russia is aware that this is not acceptable and there will be consequences uh, should it continue. Well, we certainly uh, will keep everyone posted as we learn more, Congressman. Maybe we'll have a chance to talk about it as we learn more. But we want to acknowledge how little is aware uh, at the moment. Uh, And I appreciate your bringing us up to date with things on your end. You're, of course, representing California. It's been a heck of a week. I'm guessing your phone's been blowing up, uh, Congressman. How many people have you heard from? How many people or businesses have you heard from the last 72 hours about confidence or lack thereof in their bank deposits? 
Well, one would be too many, but I will say this far more than one. The, uh, the, the fact of the matter is that the Silicon Valley Bank was an extremely important financial institution in the technology uh, and advanced um, systems of all kinds, uh, biotech, biopharmaceutical, uh, all of the various uh, communication technologies and apps that are out there, uh, and uh, also extremely important bank for American uh, security systems. Mm-hmm. And so the problem that has plagued uh, the bank really has repercussions, not only in the Bay Area, but really across America. What I am so happy about is that the Biden administration, within 36 hours, devised a mechanism to um, provide the financial backing so that the depositors in the Silicon Valley Bank and other banks that might be similarly situated would have the financial security to mm-hmm. meet whatever their obligations are. Did that within 36 hours. That's remarkable leadership. And, uh, yes, it's controversial, and uh, our Republican friends would make controversy out of nothing, but uh, they're working hard to, uh, to try to create a controversy here. The reality is this bank was in trouble for uh, at least two reasons. Uh, one is uh, management. And secondly, is the very rapid rise in interest rates. The bank was holding, apparently, one of its principal assets were American government bonds, which are thought by the entire world right. to be the safest. Mm-hmm. However, if the interest rates are rapidly rising and you got to sell those bonds, uh, you're going to sell them at a uh, deep discount. And right. That's there's there's the, the, the duration gap question here, which we've discussed at length over the, the last several days. Congressman, you talked about kind of the controversy here and, and perhaps the optics of this. We know that there are some who are painting this as a bailout and not just a bailout of of any kind of depositor, but venture capitalists, tech startups. I'm just wondering what your pushback is to some of that criticism. That's the future economy of America. And so that criticism goes right to the heart. You want to go back and grow soybeans and that's all? Is that what they really want here or do they want the future? The future is in these tech startups. And there are all kinds. A part of the, there's a whole new industry being created in the Bay Area called the biotech uh, industry. It's biopharmaceutical, it's biomaterial, it's biofuel. Uh, and it is a way of, of avoiding the, the problems of the petroleum, uh, taking oil out of the ground. And so uh, this is the future, and it's only part of it. All of the communication systems that we use today, all of the uh, social media, all of the uh, – and, and also in the area of uh, national security, dealing with uh, the problems of um, hacking and cyber, all, uh, cyber, cyber war, all of those things are come out of this area. Well, let's talk about the way the deposits are held here, Congressman, because I understand your point very clearly. But what's the point of a $250,000 limit (laughs) on on FDIC insurance? Should there be no limit? I mean, if another bank were to fail, I can't imagine that they would would cut people off at a certain point. The government's backing all deposits now. Uh, Yes, it is. Should that be the the case? Or or should that number move up to, say, 500,000 or a million? Well, let's back away. Use the word government. It is a government uh, order that the bank industry itself back up these deposits. It is the banking industry that is backing it up. This has been the model in the insurance industry for well over 35 years now, where the insurance industry backs up the uh, uh, the uh, claims 
of, of, an, of a failed insurance company. And now the same thing is happening in the banking industry. Now, will this be a taxpayer issue? doesn't appear that way. Uh, it appears to be a, a, a fee on the banking industry to support its brethren. Uh, and that's to the benefit of the entire banking industry that they would be able to uh, shore up a bank that has failed. Now, there are going to be losers in this. Clearly, the stockholders of Silicon Valley and the other bank that went belly up are going to lose, probably lose everything, as they should. And certainly the management is out. Uh, questions have been raised about the bonuses that have been paid in the near term. Those should be returned, no doubt about that. And Congress needs to do its thing. We need to go back and revisit the uh, removal of these mid-sized and small banks from the uh, restrictions and requirements of the Dodd-Frank legislation. Yeah. To um, that point, Congressman, we have heard conflicting views on the role that those 2018 changes really played here, because it's not that these <laughs> banks weren't subject to any supervision at all, just if they were under $250 billion in assets, they weren't subject to those strictest levels. So how much should we be questioning just whether or not that supervision they were sub- subject to was done, was done accurately by the regulators supposedly overseeing this bank? Well, isn't that a good question for a useful investigation by the uh, by Congress? Right now, I'm on uh, Jim Jordan's weaponizing the federal government a subcommittee where we go round and round on, on things that are, come on, they're really important things too. Investigate this business. What what is what was the genesis of the problem? Was it that the regulators weren't doing what they were supposed to do, even though it was less than they should have than they would have done under Dodd-Frank? Uh, or is it that um, the regulation uh, system is insufficient for, a, uh, for, for banks of all kinds and all sizes? That's what we ought to be doing, and that would be a very important investigation. Uh, and in the process, we'll come to a conclusion. Uh, well, we need stronger regulation, okay, or we need stronger regulators. Uh, and we also need a, a, a Federal Reserve that is thinking about what are all of the implications, all of the implications. You're going to fight uh, inflation by raising interest rates? Uh, yeah, you're going to do that, but at what cost? Right now, maybe two million people will lose their jobs if the Fed continues. And so, would you like to see the Fed stop hiking by, here? You don't want them to hike next week. I, I would want the Fed to recognize exactly what it is doing and the implications, the unintended consequences. It's absolutely clear that the Silicon Valley Bank used as an asset federal bonds. Now, what they didn't anticipate and didn't properly uh, account for was the very rapid rise in interest rates and the devaluation, the phenomenal, the daily devaluation of that bond if they had to sell it. Now, that was That's a problem. The problem, genesis of the problem is the very rapid rise in the interest rates and quite probably the, we, we don't know all of this. But for me, clearly we're in a situation now where the Fed recognizes that another interest rate rise will lead to significant unemployment and let's call it a, a recession, either a big wow. one or a little one. But there's, but perhaps 2 million people will lose their jobs. And Jerome Powell, when he was questioned about this by Senator Warren, he yeah. just said, well, that's the price. Well, that's fine if you're sitting on top of the heap of money. But if you're out there earning 20 bucks an hour and you're going to be out of a job because the Fed thinks that the only way to go after inflation. By the way, you want to go at inflation at the gas pump? 
Let's talk about the extraordinary profits of the petroleum industry, higher than ever. <laughs> well, before you move on to, to oil, though, raise, Congressman, yeah. I want to ask you about the depositors, because you made a really important sure. point about, about California's innovation industry. And Bloomberg reports that a lot of the SVB customers were not depositors, but they actually had lines of credit that funded their businesses, and, and those businesses don't get the protection. Do you worry about that as, as a, a double standard or the effect it might have on the California economy? Well, we do know that uh, the Silicon Valley and the venture capitalists and, and the uh, financing programs that, that are developed there are very, very complex. Uh, and uh, this action taken by uh, the Biden administration deals with a very specific part of the problem, which are the deposits in the bank. Now, those deposits are related to many other or to additional transactions that deal with the funding of uh, all kinds of programs, including, I guess, the mom-and-pop store, uh, store on the corner. Uh, so right now, the effort is to deal with the specific problem of the deposits in the bank. Yep. Now, money moves rapidly through many different mechanisms, not only Silicon Valley, but really around the world. And so all of those secondary things are secondary the initial issue dealt with very aggressively and, and fulsomely by the Biden administration deals with the deposits at the bank. Can people get, can they access that money? Yes. Yeah. Does the money, will additional money flow into the bank? Yes, but the bank is operating. That's the point here. And one more thing is this bank. Just got 30 seconds, Congress. This bank has an enormous franchise. Now, if that franchise is maintained, somebody or some organization will want to buy that franchise. That mm -hmm. will be so. the next leg in this story that we look forward to telling you, right, Kaylee? The Absolutely. auction can still happen. Thanks to Congressman John Garamendi, I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Well, the good news is here, no other banks have failed. I feel like we need to keep reminding people of that. We, we don't have that update for you, but banking regulators are still watching for contagion. With investigations underway now by the DOJ and SEC, and of course, the Fed. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. Joined by Kaylee Lines here in our Washington studios as we prepare to have a conversation with Senator Marsha Blackburn. It's really interesting having come off that conversation with Mike Dorning, uh, how Republicans and Democrats actually might see eye to eye on this one, or at least their concerns can align in a lot of areas. Well, when it comes down to the question of depositors being protected, both insurers, insured and uninsured, it's a question of precedent, right? right. If you have on the West Coast venture capitalist tech companies getting maybe not bailed out as the word some would choose to use, but protected in this instance, in at least mm -hmm. two instances, do you then have to apply that across the rest of the country? So Absolutely if a bank in right. middle America fails, those constituents and depositors are protected mm -hmm. too. Senator Marshall Blackburn, Republican from Tennessee, joins us right now on Bloomberg Radio. It's great to have you back with us, Senator. I know that you're watching this very closely as well. What do you think of this idea of, of essentially uh, making insurance available for deposits of any size, suspending the limit and allowing the government to protect people's or companies' money in the bank? Is that a smart move? 
One of the things that we're going to do is look at what has what is transpiring from this. You don't want the government to be on the hook at position number one, and it should be there as a as a backstop. And one of the questions that we have is finding out what happened with the supervisory role in all of this. I think that's going to be one of the first things that we do, because if you're going to put the government in position number one, then the taxpayer is on the hook for this. And in Tennessee, we have a lot of state chartered banks. We have regional banks, and they don't want to be paying for the mistakes that were made by SVB. And uh, because of that, we're going to watch this very closely. We're also concerned. uh, We know that there are Chinese business interests that were also involved in in that um, that had money there at SVB, and we want to make certain that there are no businesses that are connected to the CCP that are going to be bailed out on I this. I see your point. If we could return to the point of the idea of you know other banks having to pay for the mistakes uh, yeah. of one of their peers. Isn't there an argument, though, that they would have ultimately had to pay a price should this contagion be allowed to have a ripple effect across the financial system? I'm just wondering how you think this would have played out had regulators in the administration not taken the action that they did. It, wasn't it just the lesser of, of two they, bad outcomes, potentially? They took an action, but they took an action late in the process. I think the more appropriate question, and one that we will look at, as we look at um, the, as we go through the review process, will be what would have happened, or why was it missed? When you look at the the deposits, the ramp up in deposits, the lack of a, the lack of those retail or consumer deposits, uh, the the amounts of money from some of these depositors, mm, uh, the concentration. The, that's right. The concentration in the tech and the energy, uh, the green energy sector. I, I think that those are going to be questions about the due diligence and the supervisory role there for the San Francisco Fed. You mentioned Chinese companies, Senator. Just to transition a bit, I want to ask you about this latest TikTok bill, or maybe it's not a TikTok bill. The Senator Warner bill, which I realize has bipartisan support, uh, would not specifically ban TikTok, but would give the Treasury the tools to do that with any foreign entity that meets certain criteria. What's the right path? What we want to do is make certain that that, uh, that some of these platforms like TikTok, which are basically a surveillance tool, and we know that they aggressively surveil. They can go into your keystrokes. They can uh, collect all this data. I term it as a virtual you, and that is what the CCP is doing through some of these apps and through some of their participation through the Belt and Road Initiative and debt diplomacy, the way they're working with some of these countries where they trade off access to a port for utilization of their technology, their cameras to surveil. Uh, This is of tremendous concern 
to us the the bill that Senator Warner and Senator Soon have. These are things that are going to focus on how do we look at these protections and find the the right way forward. Now, I will say this. As we go through uh, with this bill being filed and the work we will do at Commerce Committee, the work we will do at Judiciary Committee, the work that will be done at Intel Committee, what you're going to see are provisions that will come forward that may not end up in one big bill, but they're going to give us a series of smaller bills that will help to protect our children, that will help to protect consumer privacy, that will prevent our adversaries from conducting surveillance on the American people on an ongoing daily, hourly basis every time they pick up their phone, every time they conduct a transaction. Mm-hmm. I have to ask you about Ukraine uh, while you're with us, Senator Blackburn, with Russia today now apparently colliding one of its uh, jets with a U.S. drone, uh, sending it into the Black Sea and reminding us of this very precarious uh, situation that we were in with hopes of not escalating this into something more than it is. Do you believe that the U.S. presence of money and arms is justified still in this conflict? We know that we cannot have Vladimir Putin win. We also know that Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, they are the axis of evil, and they're the ones. You've got drones that are being supplied uh, from Iran to Russia, and even now Iran is manufacturing drones in Russia. You've got rockets that are going to the Russians that are coming out of North Korea. And, of course, you've got China with their deepwater navy providing a lot of the navigational help to Russia. We cannot let Russia win. At the same time, I'm one of those that wants to see more transparency, more accountability, and make certain that this money is going to be used properly. And and, um, and uh, I also want to see the EU and the NATO countries step up because they have not participated to the level that they should be participating. This is on their doorstep. They should be in the lead. Do you not still feel, though, that those allies are in line with the U.S. on this policy? The allies are in line, but the allies are not contributing as much as they should be contributing Mm -hmm. uh, in the defense. This is there in their neighborhood. Yeah. And it would be helpful if they stepped forward and were more aggressive in their defense of Ukraine. Senator Marshall Blackburn, we appreciate your covering a few topics with us today. The Republican from Tennessee back with us on Bloomberg Radio. Learn a lot here, Kaylee, about a lot of different topics. Thanks for listening to the Sound On podcast. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already at Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And you can find us live every weekday from Washington, D.C. at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Bloomberg.com.
To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.